Every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. If you don't like it, screw you. But this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing. We want different voices. We want different races. We want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. Lie on the floor flopping around like a, <laughs> like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, <laughs> if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, I hope he pitches me to whoever, whatever he's, like if you think that way and you're just trying to use people. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, that's him. Wow, you got the part. Hired on the spot. Yeah. Pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Well, yeah, that know, makes sense. That makes sense. Gotta watch the <laughs> Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. As soon as you start telling stories and having actors touch people's heads and hearts with their performances, you're going to have people that are going to want to connect to the people behind those voices. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and that's true for me today. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Now, wow, things have changed <laughs> since last we met and um, the podcast moves on too. We have up until this point been focusing on one subject per episode and devoting an hour to it. And of course, inevitably, that was always going to have to stop at some point because while we do have things left to talk about and subjects to discuss, they're not necessarily worthy of a full hour. So um, I've gone ahead and changed things up a little bit. So now we have a pool of eight voice talent based across America, and we are going to be each week or each episode discussing the most relevant things to do with voiceover at that time. I'm going to be releasing the episode a few days after we record it, so it stays current. And as a group, we're going to be talking about our perspectives on that and any things that come along in terms of news and happenings and uh, various goings on in the voiceover industry, um, but also focusing on the subjects that so far we haven't covered in great detail. And we will also be having special guests join us, of course, uh, who are specialists in certain areas. And it's going to be good, I think. I'm going to really um, branch out and open this up to a wider group of people to bring their inputs into everything. Now, I'm very, very thrilled with the team that we've assembled. Each episode is probably going to have, uh, you know, three, four, five people from this pool of eight. And of course, it's not always going to be the same uh, three, four or five people. So it should offer some good perspectives. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what we're going to be doing from now on. This episode is to do with voiceover in lockdown. Seems like the obvious place to start, seeing as where we find ourselves right now. And uh, if you're listening in the future, we are currently at the beginning of June uh, 2020. So we're, uh, I guess we're in the middle of this thing. <laughs> Who knows when it's going to end, how long it's going to last. And uh, there's a lot of craziness going on right now. So that's that. Uh, I am going to not prattle on any further. And uh, one thing I would like to say, at one point in this discussion, I mentioned that 1% of 40 million is 4 million. Now, 
As you can probably tell, I'm not a maths genius, so of course it's not 1%, it's 10%. So I am aware of this, so when you get to that point, just substitute 1% for 10% and that would make more sense. Also, we did have a few technical issues during the recording this week, so I apologise that the sound isn't up to the usual standard. <laughs> we will get that fixed for next time. Um, we're all trying to figure out what's going on right now, so uh, I'm sure you all uh, understand. So other than that, I want to thank our guests today and, of course, our usual sponsors, JMC and Backstage. And yeah, we're going to get to this new era for the podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to support us in what we do. And we will get to the interview after this ad. The National Zoo. <laughs> because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. This is a new era. I'm changing things up. And um, we've got a lovely little group of people that are going to be regulars on the podcast, plus a few others. Um, so why don't we introduce everyone? So Joey, why don't you kick things off? Who are you? What do you do? Uh, sure. My name is Joey Shalio. I'm a voiceover actor. Um, I'm located in New York City. And um, yeah, I kind of consider myself like your average blue collar, grinded out voiceover talent. Um, you know, uh, my, my work consists of a little bit of everything, commercial, e-learning, medical narration, corporate narration. Um, I don't do audiobooks. That's really the only thing that's kind of like out of my, 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 uh, scope of work, but, um, yeah, that's kind of who I am. Um, so I came to New York, uh, and I got my MFA in acting. Um, and shortly after I graduated from grad school, I was kind of auditioning for anything and everything. And my first little taste of success came in live event announcing and voiceover. And so I kind of just, you know, follow the success. So that's kind of where I started to focus all of my energy. And then um, at the same time, I got a job working at a voiceover studio. Uh, and that was really an education. That was like getting an MFA in voiceover. I learned so much in the time there. And so while I worked at the studio, uh, I was building my own voiceover business on the side uh, until it grew enough where I felt like I could make the leap to full-time talent. So I've been doing that since 2014. Awesome. All right, cool. Rob, you're next on my screen. Yeah, so I'm Rob Moreira. I am a bilingual uh, voiceover talent based out of New York. And uh, I've been running my game for roughly seven years now. I've um, probably been doing it full-time for about three of those years, uh, last three years. And um, uh, not going to lie, business has been booming, yo. Uh, but that's because yeah. I also call myself the VO hustler because that's what I do. I hustle. I get out there. I got a YouTube series. I try to help out where I can, talk about the game. Uh, at least from my perspective, I like to keep it real. I like to keep it gritty. Um, that's just what I do. Um, but uh, yeah, so things have been really good. I actually came from an acting background. Um, as well, I went to LaGuardia High School Performing Arts here in New York City, across the street from Lincoln Center, which was awesome. Uh, then I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, also in the city on Madison Avenue, which was really cool. Uh, after doing that, I did a lot of off, 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 way off Broadway stage and theater for uh, a while. Um, 
And uh, after doing that for a long time, I happened to cross paths with somebody who actually did voice acting as well. She was awesome, Sri Gordon. She's out there uh, doing her thing as well. And uh, she she was basically my first mentor, and she kind of showed me what to do. She laid out basically everything that she had done. She told, uh, but more importantly, uh, she absolutely believed in me 100%. Like she absolutely thought I could do it. And that I think is probably what played the most into my success was that starting out, I had somebody who saw it um, and told me to go for it and believe that I can do it. And uh, had I not had that, honestly, I don't know if I would have made it as far as fast as I did. Uh, just having that starting out, obviously, with support from everybody else in the community, um, having a good, strong network was uh, big. So that, that's just a life lesson. But putting that into my business helped out a lot, too. But um, yeah, that's kind of my deal. Awesome. Karen, who are you? Hi, I'm Karen Gilfrey, and I am also a voice actor um, in New York City. I uh, started in opera singing, actually, and then made the switch from opera into audiobooks because I had a lot of time in between opera gigs, and I still wanted to work in the States when I was living over in Europe. And so that was a, a way for me to work remotely, and I just loved it. And so after doing audiobooks for about two or three years, I jumped into the world of commercials and explainers and e-learning and corporate narration and medical narration and all that other stuff. Um, I do a lot of commercials now, which I really, really love. Um, and I also am the founder of the group Voice Actors of NYC, which is a, a group of voice actors in New York. And we have over 3,000 members now. And I'm also the co-chair and co-creator of the Vocation Conference in yeah. New York City with someone else. Hello. Here. <laughs> Mr. Jamie Muffet. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah, that's me. Excellent. And finally, Maria. Hi, I'm Maria Pendolino. Uh, I am also a voice actor. Fancy that. Similar to uh, some of the stories you've already heard, I came to voice acting through uh, just acting in general. Um, I was a very sassy 11-year-old community theater actor, drama club kid, um, and then uh, found my way <clears throat> into banking uh, straight out of college. Uh, did that while kind of desperately wanting to be on Broadway. And then after the recession in 2008, 2010, I quit my job in finance uh, and tried to pursue a career as an actor uh, doing theater, TV, and film. Rob, maybe we cross paths off, 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 off Broadway. Um, uh, did some on-camera work and stuff. And I was basically just looking for ways to make money in between gigs, similar to Karen. I had you know, a booking here, a booking there, but lots of downtime. And I wanted to see if there was something else that I could do with my acting talents, with my voice. Uh, took a kind of one night voiceover seminar with someone who ended up becoming my mentor and kind of led me um, into the world of what it meant to work as a voice actor in New York at that time. Um, I left New York City in 2014 and I moved back to my hometown of Buffalo, New York, Western New York, I will accept upstate as an answer, but we truly are Western New York. We believe upstate is the Adirondacks. Anywho, uh, bought a house, got a yard, found a husband on Bumble, and uh, now operate my uh, voiceover empire out of my beautiful booth here that looks out onto my half acre of land. And HGTV. 
Yes, and I was featured on an episode of House Hunters, HGTV's <laughs> flagship show. If That's you so dig cool. hard enough on Google, you can find it for free somewhere. But it is called Battle for a Basement in Buffalo. I love it. That's awesome. That's, awesome. That's a great name. That's good. So we're going to talk about working in voiceover in lockdown uh, today. That's our main segment. But before we get that, I just want to talk about what you guys have been up to. How have things been going for you since this whole COVID thing began. So has it been busy? Has it been quiet? Has it been the same? Have things changed over the course of the last month? Um, I, for me, it's I've definitely seen a, a pickup um, and uh, not just in jobs, but auditions as well. I feel like, uh, especially since there can't be really much video production going on, that they're turning to stock footage and animation, graphic animation. And what's the missing element is the voice. And so uh, so yeah, I think I think we've all seen uh, kind of a, a nice little. I wouldn't call it a flood, but we're in high tide uh, for sure as far as work goes. And I have seen some changes, some things, some things that could really be permanent changes. Most prevalent is the casting directors in New York City that previously only saw people in person are now starting to see people remotely. And you know, you sign up for a, t- a ten minute time slot and you get some live direction like you got. When you were in person, uh, I personally am loving that. Um, I love it. I, I hope I hope it doesn't go away. But uh, I think this th- that could be a real shift uh, in in what we're seeing. Um, yeah, we love casting directors, but you know we don't necessarily love trudging into the city every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Is that I love casting directors, but I hate the time it takes. And I'm a mom too. I have two little kids. They're three and one. And uh, to leave them like with a babysitter or with my husband watching them uh, to have to go like an hour on the subway to spend an hour, like five minutes in an audition room and then an hour back on the subway um, is just it takes at least two, two hours plus out of my day when that's time I could be spent working on other stuff. So I love this new model mm-hmm. a lot. I think all of us do a fair amount of commercial work. What about other genres? Has that been as busy? I've I've definitely seen, you know, some of my industrial clients, I think during the month of March, I think it took some time for people to get their feet underneath them. Like maybe people who weren't accustomed to working remotely full-time or were more used to having people around the office, you know, to collaborate with. So I feel like there were a couple of weeks where it was a little bit more spotty, but, um, you know, I, I think things like e-learning, e-learning was already a huge burgeoning industry with a lot of, you know, different types of education and training, a lot of it requiring narration. Um, I definitely picked up a few things that were meant to be an in-person training, you know, like in a conference room with a PowerPoint on the wall, half day session, tray of croissants as you walked in. (laughs) And they basically just sent me the PowerPoint and was like, could you just read this? Um, So not that that was like a designed e-learning course, but it was something that they needed to pivot to because they wanted to be able to deliver that training remotely and have it, you know, recorded for edification to be able to send out to everyone. So I definitely picked up some stuff like that. Um, You know, as I think Joey mentioned, you know, with production being down, I think some of some of the clients that haven't been able to go out into the field to get fresh stuff, I feel like those people that I was used to seeing potentially, you know, more auditions from or more requests from, that I think has been a little bit quiet. But other than that, I think as, you know, April, as we came out of April and moved into May and, 
people had a better handle of working remotely. Maybe people found a little bit of a rhythm, you know, people that we work with that are in the middle of production, middle men or women who are working for end clients or end businesses, maybe had a better handle on what their clients wanted to do from a advertising or strategy or anything perspective. I feel like I've started to hear from those clients more this month. Yeah. But yeah. when I look back at my, um, you know, my track of bookings and things like that, I'm on pace with where I was last year. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a huge deep dive to see if there's a huge genre difference. Um, you know, are, is my commercial revenue much, much higher than it was last year? Is my industrial revenue lower? lower? I haven't um, gone into the details, but I didn't see a drop off in my kind of overall booking and revenue. I've noticed myself that a lot of LA in-person work is opening up a little bit to us outside of LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all New York area. I'm in Philly, but you know, kind of area. Um, so video game work. Yeah. I've seen a lot of video game auditions come my way um, yeah. very frequently. And I know that these are, um, I know that these are castings that normally would request LA talent only more often than not. That's always the thing. Video game audition, looking for X, Y, and Z. LA talent only. Now that is completely gone and now it's been substituted with must have pro studio at home. Yeah. That's the new There's been a lot more um, ADR work too, I think, it, from home studios and 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 animation stuff uh that has come in that what used to be just in the studio. And it's interesting to see what our colleagues who mostly do animation have been doing at home when that has always always been mm-hmm. um in studio. Yeah, Karen, so. in your group, that post about Eugene Merman's setup was interesting. Because <laughs> funnily enough, <laughs> yeah, Karen, for the benefit of listeners, is slapping her own forehead right yes, now. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> he's got a um, rather Eugene lo-fi Merman, setup. <laughs> yeah, Eugene Merman posted a picture on his Instagram completely not, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sarcastically, uh, that this was how, how he was recording at home. And it's literally a closet with two kind of brown pillows <laughs> sitting on top of a desk and yeah. a USB mic plugged into a laptop. And the USB mic is sitting on a, on top of a box of baby bed bumpers, <laughs> 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 which I recognize because my daughter has the same baby bed bumpers. It was a hashtag real talk post. Right. Yeah. yeah it's mean, funny because we'd actually interviewed him for the other podcast, hashtag in the envelope. Um, and he was talking about that because he was, he was recording Bob's burgers, but yeah. he's actually doing prelay for the animators. Yeah, so yeah. all so they it's need different. to, it's not... they just need to hear his voice and hear the way he phrases things. Exactly. And it's for a season next year. So they've got plenty of time to come back in and replace and that. Yeah. 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 I just thought it was interesting because there were people in our group who were like, Eugene Merman is making it work with just a USB mic in a totally untreated closet <laughs> with two brown pillows. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I wanted to tell them, and I think I did tell them, that's not really what you use for professional audio that's going to be broadcast on TV. No. We've, I've heard a lot of bad audio in commercials mm-hmm. lately. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And one interesting, been, go ahead. In commercials with like audio recorded from Zoom, like all of us are so accustomed to Zoom now, you can recognize that slight timber, that slight compression from mm-hmm. Zoom. And like, as soon as the commercial comes on, I hear it and I'm like, oh. Somebody recorded the CEO on Zoom. (laughs) Speaking of bad audio during COVID, though, the first like couple of weeks, I had one client that I work with a lot 
reach out to me and say, hey, we hired another person. She said she had Source Connect. Um, we got into the session and it turns out she didn't really have Source Connect. Mm -hmm. um, so we couldn't do a session with her. Can you please jump in this afternoon and do this for us? Because we know that you're, you have it. That was one rebooking that I got. And then a second one was uh, these people who they recorded a whole session with this voice actor and then she sent them her audio and it was totally unusable and she didn't have a better studio to go to. So they they uh, held other auditions. They auditioned me and they chose me. And I mean, that's all basically just to say right now during this pandemic, the sound of your studio is as important as the sound of your voice, more so than ever before. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things, too, where it's like you, you like. You got to keep it real. Like, I get it. You know, there's a lot of actors out there that we have this imposter syndrome. And am I good enough? Is my stuff good enough? And there's a weird level between that and I'm totally prepared. That's really weird. There's like no in between. It's either I I can't function. I have nothing. Or, of course, I got a can and a string. I can record whatever. Um, and it's just so weird that those are the only real two levels that exist right now. There is no just like be serious about what you can what your output is like you got you got to keep it real you need to know like yeah maybe my mic isn't that great or maybe my space isn't that great which is 90 percent of the time it's really that your space sucks and but you, you got to be you got to keep it real record yourself send it to somebody spend the 50 50 bucks to have an engineer listen whatever the case may be but you have to be real to yourself because you're just doing yourself a disservice and possibly turning away clients that are never going to work with you again because you're not being honest. Like, that's crazy. And if you're operating at a certain level, you're used to going into studios, maybe your union talent, or certainly you're doing this full time. As soon as you then have reduced access to those studios or completely reduced access to nothing, you are playing with the people that have spent tens of thousands of dollars on their home studio. Yep. And there are people who've been doing this a year and a half who are in a better position than you are. Right. So yeah. this is why <laughs> it's a bit late now, but um, spending that money on your home studio is so crucial because you're yeah. immediately out of the loop, right? And you'll just be replaced by Karen because she's doing everything <laughs> now. <laughs> but to, to, be, to be clear, but to be clear, you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on your studio in order to be competitive when you're first starting. I think you guys would all agree. When totally. when we all started, we didn't spend ten th tens of thousands of dollars on our studio. You can no. you can build something, you know, that that is decent enough that you can put yourself out there for like five hundred dollars, I would say. Mic interface and some foam and whatever you have around your house in your closet that's already there. But not not just two brown pillows and a USB. It's also <laughs> important to note the type of work that that type of studio is well suited for, right? right. Like with that setup. And I agree with you one hundred percent. You got it. I think Karn, your phrase is grow as you grow. go. Grow as you, you yeah. go. Yes. Um, and and I am one hundred percent on board with that. But you know that doesn't mean you can do Source Connect sessions for broadcast in exactly. that type of a space. Can exactly. you can you do an explainer video talking about how this medical equipment works? Absolutely. Um, so I think it's important to know what that type of studio is well suited for and what it's not. Yeah, that's 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 a, actually really a really great point because I mean I I probably spent three hundred bucks on my old setup with my PVC, the moving blankets, the foam, whatever the case may be, tucked in the corner of my office, away from the windows, and it was quiet enough. 
but I did commercial, and my commercial sessions didn't last very long. So if I was doing audiobook, you're going to hear these weird birds that wake up at like 2 in the morning. Uh, you're going to hear lawnmowers from March to almost November. Um, you're going to hear all that stuff. So I had the luxury that I could do a 45-minute session and know in those 45 minutes it'll be quiet enough where I could knock it out of the park. But any longer than that, I was screwed. But that's because that's how my business was framed. If I was an audiobook person, yeah, that, that would have been a wrap. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I would not have been able to pump out an audiobook. I was really surprised in the kind of first, the first couple of weeks of the pandemic, those of us that participate in voice over Facebook groups, and we were getting information from our representatives and stuff. I was, I was really surprised at two things. Number one, I was really surprised at the number of people that did not have even what Karen and Rob were talking about, like a 300 to $500 solution. Like even if they didn't do a ton of jobs at their home, like having a well-treated space to do auditions, even, you know, a USB mic and some foam or moving blackets or whatever, where they could get a really high quality MP3 from home auditions. So I was really shocked by the number of people who flooded the groups to say, home studio, how do I do it? I need it. What is Source Connect? All of these things that I'm sure they were getting from, you know, agents or casting directors saying like, you know, these are the new requirements, you have to have them. And they just hadn't explored it before. So I was surprised at the number, just the sheer number of people who indicated that they didn't have those kinds of things at the outset. I was also surprised by the reaction from casting or agents or other people in the marketplace as they realized how many people did and the capabilities of people. Um, I did one um, casting that was, you know, like remotely directed over the phone. And the person that I was speaking to said to me, so do you know how to put your takes, like three takes in a row on one MP3 file? And like, she was not being mean or rude or condescending or patronizing or anything. She was just being honest and asking that question. And I was, I was flabbergasted that perhaps people would have answered that question that no, they don't know how to put three takes on one MP3 file. But also, you know, Karin, you collected that directory of yeah. folks who had home studios. And I feel like a lot of people in the community that you shared that with reacted like, okay, but like not real studios. And you're like, no, these people have booths. These yeah, people have, right. like, you know, uh, studio bricks or whisper rooms or things like to the same level that you have in your agency office or your studio. Or and even better than you have in some of these uh, audition rooms where yeah. you're literally, I mean, yeah. I'm standing in an, in a broom closet. With, yes. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm standing in an open, an open broom so, closet with familiar. a piece of copy literally held up by a thumbtack on a post in front of me talking into I don't know what kind of microphone with no headphones. I was I was shocked by the shock. I was shocked by the shock from um you know the people who are in hiring positions or whatever who just didn't seem to know about this army of you know working class voiceover talents and maybe you know, maybe it's more prevalent not in New York City and LA where you have the, you know, conglomeration of studios and where there still is an in-person aspect to things. You know, but those of us that have gone to different voiceover conferences or interact in the groups on Facebook, like, I think, you know, if pressed, I could probably write down the name of a hundred talents that have like a dedicated, fully set up professional broadcast quality studio. And I was just, 
I was really flabbergasted by the number of engineers, agents, casting directors that didn't know that there were that many people. And it wasn't just, you know, the promo trailer guys and gals, you know, who are on demand at a moment's notice, but there were this, this army of people who do, you know, work across genres that spent the money and time and energy over the last five to 10 years to set up a studio because there was work out there that required it. I I I found that really, really interesting. I think there was a big learning curve on behalf of the talent, but also the agents and the buyers in the first few weeks of this crisis um, in terms of who is able to do what, like exactly what you were saying. And it was a bit of a wake up call because I've had requests for photographs and I've sent a video of my studio here. It was a game project. You know, the game directors are very, very particular about their sound. And I had to really detail every little thing. And then we had a test session where we were setting up gain levels for the different uh, vocal delivery levels and stuff like that. So, you know, you've got to be prepared for that kind of stuff to happen. And, you know, your studio doesn't have to look great. It really doesn't. It just has to work great, you know, and it has to sound good. And you can't have dogs barking and phones ringing and the dishwasher coming on halfway through and things like that for a lot of sessions that are required to be directed live. You can cobble things a bit if you're just working on your own and no one's listening in live, but if you're operating at a certain above a certain level, a lot of these sessions are directed live. So, yeah. you know, that changes things. If there's one thing that I've learned and said over and over and over again since COVID-19 happened, it's this. Hardwire into your internet. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It like is for real. Day. Even even like the the clients that I work with who are on a Zoom call and I'm on Source Connect somewhere else and they're like, oh, sorry guys, like my Wi-Fi is cutting out. I'm like, do you have an Ethernet cable? You can just hardwire into your internet. And they're like, what? You mean <laughs> like you mean like it's 2005? Like, yes. Yeah, you have a 140 foot uh, cable in your dorm room, and you yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly the vibe. Hanging I was it out going the for. window. <laughs> Although I was on a, I was on. I'm not going to talk about the product because it's a good product. But uh, I was on a directed session the other day, and it had a 15 second delay with the director, oh, and oh it God. was hell. It was just, um, but there were three of us. It was me, the engineer, and the and the director or the client. And uh, me and the engineer were fine, but the person would chime chime in fifteen seconds later, and oh we God, just sat there like, in silence. It's like it was space station delay. Yeah. Oh man. VO School Industry News is sponsored by In the Envelope, the actors' podcast from Backstage. Hosted by me, Jack Smart, In the Envelope features weekly in-depth interviews with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater stars, from Brian Cranston and Natalie Portman to Regina King and Paul Rudd. For weekly episodes full of inspiration, technical know-how, and advice on navigating the biz, subscribe to Backstage's In the Envelope, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's talk about VO in lockdown from everyone else's perspective. We've talked about how it's affected us and what we've noticed. I've started coaching in the last last year, and I've had a lot of people reaching out to me wanting to get into voiceover. Um, what is it, 40 million people now unemployed in this country? It's insane. And I've turned a lot of people away <laughs> because it is not a good time, in my opinion, to look to voiceover as a place to find work and to pay the bills. So in general, is now a good time to start a voiceover career or not? What do you guys think? I think you could start at any time. I think the challenge is, is the 
people who are reaching out to us for, you know, a pick your brain conversation or something, whether it's a friend or a family member, somebody you went to college with, whatever. Typically the question leads with how can I be making money at this tomorrow? And not necessarily like a get rich quick scheme, but like I need to be paying my bills. I need to be paying my mortgage or my car payment. I need to be buying food for my family. And like, that is a real concern. Absolutely. But I find it very frustrating when the request for information about being a voice actor as a career and voiceover as an industry is always led with just the money. Like I need to be working tomorrow. And I think people just don't realize how much goes into it. Like not just the actual, like speaking into the microphone, because that's 1% of it. So I, I don't know that I would say it's not a good time to get into it. Cause uh, and I think Karin, you say this all the time, like there's more voiceover work than ever, but in order to be able to take advantage of booking voiceover work, you have to be prepared on several levels, whether that's from a technology standpoint, a space standpoint. And then I feel like people forget or like leave the technique or the performance of it to the very, very end. Mm. And, you know, they get ahead of themselves because there's all, all of this stuff online. Like, oh, I need to, I need to brand myself. I have to figure out what my keywords are. I need to make my website. I have to get demos produced. And you think of all of these things that, you know, go into the, the ecosystem of being a voice actor. But I feel like people lose track of the fact that first you have to be a voice actor. And if you're thinking about branding and direct marketing and everything like that, you are like setting out to sell a product that you don't currently have. Yeah. It's like a baker has to learn how to bake cakes and bread and shit like that before they can start putting their sign up and opening the store and mm-hmm. <laughs> pick the, you pick do the need an oven. Of the baker and you're not selling wedding cakes the next week. Right. Yeah. Um, What's the best oven guys? I just have a question. What's the best oven to use? <laughs> Sorry. That's supposed to be like, what's like the, a microphone. It's like, thing, like a microphone yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I use a USB oven <laughs> in my space? That's a convection oven. Will that do the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually have an oven, but the sun comes in my um, sun comes in my window really bright. But I have a thing of aluminum foil that I got for free. <laughs> Can I use egg cartons? Oh my god, oh boy! So yeah, I think honestly, ultimately, every everybody has the right to pursue anything they want. Right? They have a right to pursue things as hobbies. You have a right to pursue thing as a career. There is educational opportunities. There are things out there that you can take advantage of. But if you have been recently laid off from your job and you have immediate financial realities, tapping someone who you know who does voiceover to help you do voiceover with the idea that it's going to be able to provide for you short term is simply not going to work. And there's, you know, there's a lot of work out there, but then there's at the same time at the lower end of this industry, there's a saturation of talent too. And, you know, let's take the number. If there are 40 million recently unemployed people. And voiceover is something that is quite commonly known to be a career that you can do from home. If 1% of those people decide to join the industry, that's an extra 4 million people trying to get into voiceover just in America. I mean, I'm not, those numbers I'm just pulling out my ass, but I mean, it's a lot of people that are probably trying to get in at the same time, Mm -hmm. which is why voiceover marketplaces are starting to make a whole lot of money and probably mic manufacturers and, you know, people that are selling products and services to new talent. But right now is a particularly challenging time 
uh, in an already difficult industry to break into. How long did it take you guys before you were regularly making consistent money in voiceover? I'm interested to hear. Uh, so I think I made my first demo in uh, 2011. And so, yeah, I, I went full time in 14. So it took me three years of building, consistently building first supplemental than what I would call part time and then making the leap. And that was it was a leap. I mean, I I I left a job, a full time job. Uh, and uh, but I felt like I could I could build like I had the momentum and uh, I could do it. Um, but yeah, it took it took a solid three years of before making that leap. And then in 2014, when I made that leap, I would say it took another probably year and a half to really have like solid, like, this is, this is, this is great. This is my, this is my, my clientele, my book of work. And then it's just been building since there. It's, it's, a, it's a slow building process for sure. And what did you invested in those three years? So, I mean, I kind of, cheated, <laughs> but I worked at a voiceover studio. Um, and so it was very easy for me to do my job during the day. And then at the end of the day, um, we were able to use the recording studios. So that's when I would go in and audition and record jobs. And, and I, I, I had kind of a leg up compared to other people in at the, at the same point in their career as me, because my home studio was actually a professional recording studio. So, uh, so yeah, so I had, that was, that was a, my secret weapon. And so, so really in those three years, I invested in demos and a website and kind of just understanding. And I would say a lot of time, I didn't just invest money, I invested a lot of time learning, you know, being, being a creeper on the Facebook pages, not chiming in. I hardly ever chime in, but I read, (laughs) you know, read a lot, pay attention to what people are saying, learn what, you know, things you don't know. Um, and then also working at the studio, I learned a ton from the engineers that worked there. Um, and just about the business in general, listen to a lot of voice. I had so much time listening to other, how other people do it and how, how I should approach it. Or am I in this vein? I remember when I first made my first demo, I knew I wanted like a mom spot on there. And it took me like two months to realize I don't have the voice of a young mom. I have the voice of a mom who's been around the block, right? Like (laughs) she's, she's cleaning up tennis shoes, wiping snot off of doors. Like this isn't, this isn't like the cute I'm changing diapers and we have, we're putting up the crib mom. I'm not that mom. Like know what mom you are, know what (laughs) HR representative you are, know what nurse you are. You know what I mean? So like, and, and you only know that through, through practicing and recording yourself and listening back. So those first three years, I invested some money, but I invested a lot of time into, into honing the craft part of it. Yeah. I can relate to that. Well, not the mum bit, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) I took my first uh, voiceover class in 2010. In 2011, I joined an online casting site and started auditioning for literally anything I could get my hands on, whether it was an explainer video, a phone system for a company in Oklahoma, you name it. Um, I got my first agent in 2012. And I think my first year of really pursuing it. Um, I think I made like $14,000. So that was after kind of two full years of, um, learning, pounding the pavement. I was at actors connection almost every night trying to get an agent, like going to those seminars where you get to 
read copy and meet and hopefully follow up with them and impress them. And, uh, yeah, it, my first, my first studio, we were talking about like your, your 300 to $500 investment. So I lived in Astoria and I had a square closet. It was not a walk-in closet, but it was a pre-war square closet that had just a regular door as opposed to like a bifold. So I could physically open the closet. I could get in and shut the door. And, um, I could basically hold my arms like this while I was reading because <laughs> I couldn't like open up my wingspan. So as an Italian talking with my hands, I would end up scraping the foam a lot because I would get too animated. So I had to keep it here. Um, but I started out with egg crate mattress pads from bed, bath and beyond. Cause I didn't know any better. And I didn't know that they weren't as thick as RLX foam or anything like that. I had a, uh, a rug that would go around your toilet I took it out of the bathroom and I put it on the floor of the closet. Uh, Did you wash to, it first to at least? Suck up sound. <laughs> and anything you spilled. I washed it first. Um, I had a music stand. Uh, I had two little like LED lights on the music stand. And I had a gigantic down comforter that I put on the top shelf of the closet to kind of eat up all of the space um, above me. And I worked in that closet for, you know, four years. Um, so that was probably, you know, like 300 to $500. And then the rest of the investment was classes. I took a lot of classes. If a casting director, if an agent, if a producer, if anybody was, you know, giving a one night seminar, a workshop, anything, I was signing up for all of that. I feel like you can get your MBA in voiceover from YouTube. Like there's so many good things out there, whether it's podcasts, for example, or podcasts, perhaps, perhaps you're a fan of podcasts. And, uh, yeah, I just like would get my hands on any of that free information. And then also as someone who works in commercials, I watch TV and I watch commercials and I, instead of fast forwarding through the commercials, I rewind the commercials and I watch them again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think so many times we talk to people and it's like, well, have you like, have you seen a commercial for this brand lately? And they're like, Oh, I don't watch TV. And it's like, okay, well, you're missing a free education. So yeah, I, uh, I definitely kind of cobbled it together, but yeah, it was, it was a solid two years before there was any sort of, you know, money to supplement the spending coming in. Yeah. It's funny. Um, we'll get to you, Rob and Karen as well, but this wasn't by design, but we were all essentially hustling in New York city at the same time, pretty much. And even then in an amazing place to get your career started in in this industry it still took years of just plugging away and learning and refining and finding out who you are you're the older mom or whatever it is like yeah that's how joey and i met actually yeah we met in class i think you tell this story better so i'll let you tell it (laughs) so um it was uh it was a class with a big time casting director here in new york city and it was just like one of those one day boot camps and uh, so there were like maybe 10 people total in the room. And, uh, and and it was quite a range of people who were just like, I woke up today and thought voiceover would be a good idea um, to people who were really, you know, trying to, to pursue this hard as a career. And so, uh, you know, we do our first round of reads and everybody goes in and reads a script and then, you know, gets feedback, reads again and comes out. And so we do one, one entire round and then we take a break. And so I'm standing out in the lobby of the studio where we're at and Maria comes up to me and she goes, so you clearly know what you're doing. We should be friends. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's exactly what I said. Actually, Maria, you, you came up to me at vocation and said, I want to be friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's your, I, I love this friends. approach. I knew that you were now going to be my friend. Yeah. Bold and direct. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had much choice in the matter. To be <laughs> what about you, Rob? How did you, uh, how did you get started in this thing? How long did it take you? Yeah. So, um, I started in 2013 and um, one thing that I will say that I always am sure to tell anyone that I speak about voiceover to is I tell them I am extremely fortunate and very lucky for two big things. One, I had a very vast acting background already which was big. And that's just because my brother in si when I was in sixth grade told me drama is an easy A, do drama. And then I never stopped. So from 12 till 2013, which is a, like 20, 20 some odd years, I um, was only acting and that's all I studied. And that's all I did. I, I, I was eating and breathing acting on stage to that capacity. So I already had an acting background. The second thing was that I am bilingual and that is incredibly huge. Now, not just any kind of bilingual, specifically in the United States, I speak English and Spanish. With just those two languages, my voice can cover the entire United States, uh, especially if you're talking about the West and the South. So I was kind of a walking unicorn without knowing how pretty I was. I didn't know how uh, valuable I was because in you know live acting, being his being Latino and looking the way that I am, you know, tat tattoos and all, I'm like, I'm only ever going to be a drug dealer. So what does it matter? I'm either going to be drug dealer number one, gang member number three or whatever. That's what that's, that's my life. That's who I'm going to be. I got the long hair. I look like a biker. Like it is what it is. Um, that in voiceover, that wasn't the case anymore. That was completely thrown out the window. And the way I speak is not the way I look. So and I can I have a massive range. So then and then I ha I have that range in another language. So I didn't I never realized how valuable I was. Um, so I did literally handful of workshops and then I did one of those kind of workshops where you know the agent comes in and they listen to everybody so I was you know I got up I did my thing and thankfully the um, coach at the time she was like yeah I gave you an English script and I gave you a Spanish script I was like okay whatever I, I'm not thinking anything of it little did I know they were you know cahooting so uh, I spoke Spanish my agent was like do you speak Spanish fluently? I'm like, yeah. She was like, did you re rehearse that? I was like, no, I cold read it. She was like, cool. All right. And then that was it. And I heard back from her a week later and I've been with them ever since. And that's Access Talent. That was Linda Weaver. She's been awesome to me. Uh, but she found me and she, she saw something. And um, I pretty much just did uh, auditions with my agent. I actually didn't do any P2P. I actually didn't dive into the P2P hole until two years ago. And even then I slightly dipped my toe in and then I back on, I'm like, ah, whatever. Um, just cause my business at this point is, is so different that I don't really need it. Like it's there, but it's not something that I needed. So I've been fortunate that I've been able to build a business to that capacity where I don't need P2Ps really. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a slow burn though. Um, I was taking my time. I had a day job. I had a full-time job. I was, uh, I was, a uh, um, call center manager for a wholesale travel company. Uh, so I managed a team of 30 some odd people. I had a nice, you know, good benefits. I was growing a family. You know, I had my two, two, two girls at the time and, um, it was just nice having that extra cash. So because I had that 
And I also was working a, a day job. I had a lot of play money. So I was able to invest a lot of money um, without really worrying about like, man, I'm putting myself in a hole. It was just kind of like whatever I made in voiceover quickly went back into voiceover. So basically voiceover money income didn't exist to me. It was kind of like, sweet, I got this thousand dollar check. Cool. I'm going to buy this thousand dollar mic. Oh, sweet. I got this two hundred dollar residual check. I didn't even know I could get that. Cool. Let me buy some foam. Uh, so and that's basically how it kept happening. I kept like taking money and then putting back into a class. I got money and then I put it back into something else. And that's pretty much how I framed my business even up until now. Now I don't need as much, but you know, I, I slowly built up. I was like, what's that next thing that I should be getting? What's that next thing um, that, that, that I should be putting into my office just to make the sound even better? What's that next thing that now to the point, maybe it was interesting because it kind of worked the way um, uh, timeline wise, the way it did for, for Joey was that uh, it was about three years until I saw that, oh, I'm making enough that I could leave my day job. I'm not because I got a lot of money, so I'm not leaving. But that's because I had a day job. I had a secure job where I was doing well and I could work around it to do my audition. So I was making basically two full time amounts of money at the same time. So, you know, like, you know, like Maria, I bought my house as well. I'm on the island. And so, I, you know, we, I spoiled the family, made sure that we were OK. Uh, bought myself a Harley. I spoiled myself. And then uh, eventually um, five years. Yeah. Yeah. It was about five years uh, that I was finally able to say, like, OK, I think I'm going to bounce because now the my business has grown to a point where I can't do my day job anymore. Now it's getting too busy. So. Now I either have to sacrifice one or the other. So it ended up becoming, do I focus more on the job where the pay is static and there's a ceiling or move to the one that has potential to grow? So I was with them for a while and um, yeah, I let them know. I was like, yeah, you know, I get, this is kind of it. You know, I, I, I had to make a decision. I'm pulling that trigger now. And he was just like, dude, you're the voice of freaking colognes for Armani. I was waiting for this to happen. Why'd you wait now? You should have just left like three months ago. I'm like, yeah, well, what can I tell you? Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it did take a while. And, uh, you know, one point that Maria brought up earlier was, uh, you know, the whole branding and marketing thing. Um, I didn't even think about branding or marketing until six years in maybe about thinking like, man, what's my brand? Who, what, who am I to the public domain? You know what I'm saying? I didn't even think about that until then. Uh, it wasn't, it was irrelevant because I was doing well. I didn't think it was something I needed to boost my business. When I did it, it did boost my business. I will, I will say that once I did think about it, but I had a product, you know, yeah. that's, that's, and you knew who you were as well. I knew right? who I to was. I knew who my voices are. I know what voices I do that sell. I know which are the ones that are bookable. I know my 80s rocker, cool, grizzled guy gets booked a lot. I know my, you know, I know, I know that I have a nice, caring, you know, Mother's Day uh, voice for, for younger, for younger kids. I could do that. I have that Hispanic accented English that everybody wants to hear now. Uh, so it's like, I know those are my voices. So I knew what I could do. I know what I could deliver. I know what I can book with. So when it came down to branding myself, it, was easy. But if you're just starting out and you're not, you've never done voiceover, who are you? You don't even know who you are yet. You know, it, it, it's your body of work that's going to dictate that. Yeah. Your body of work dictates who your voice is really, you know, just because you say, well, you know, I fit this. I'm millennial. I'm casual. I'm this. It's like, that doesn't mean that's what you book. You know what I'm saying? You don't know if that's the voice that you're going to be booking with. I never thought that the voice, because I, I have a, on my demo, 
I always say I have my my number one spot, and it's the one for some reason they hear that voice specifically, and uh, it instantly they they want to hear more. And I called it my Patron spot because on my first demo, I did a Patron spot and it was this really, you know, deep kind of cool voice or whatever. And people hear it and they're like, oh, I love that voice. So I took that voice and I made it inspirational and I did a Gatorade spot. And now people hear that and they're like, man, we want that inspirational voice. Like, you're so real. Like, it's just, it's heavy. And I'm like, whatever, that's the Patron voice, but okay. <laughs> that's Sean, you gotta money. have a Gatorade. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it goes hand in hand. <laughs> a night of Patron means a morning of Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But yeah, so yeah, it it, it was it was a, it was a slow burn, but you know, gotta work it, gotta build it. Yeah. You you took a while as well, like we all did, to get going before you were going full time. How long did it take you to I get? I mean, I think there? that three years is a pretty good marker yeah. for most people who. But you have to like really jump in with both feet for three years. My first year in voiceover, I did mostly audiobooks. I put in probably like 10 or 15 hour days. I'm not joking, seven days a week, fully in the studio, learning how to read out loud and record myself. Um, and it wasn't until probably three years in that I felt like I was making enough money to live on. And and that came not because I got so great at auditioning that I was just booking everything all the time. It came because I had like a, a, a whole list of repeat clients who would come back to me again and again and again because they really thought that it was easy working with me. I, you know, delivered a nice product. I have a voice that they liked. And then I became like kind of the voice of their company. And why would you go to an online casting site and wade through, you know, 50 to 200 auditions when you have somebody that who's reliable, who you've worked with before, you know, who you can just go back to again. And then you keep um, brand continuity, you know, with the same voice. So that's what I would say. Now, bringing it back to is now a good time to start in voiceover. I would say it could be for a very specific kind of person. And that kind of person is the person who has always wanted to do voiceover. This has been their passion and they just haven't had the time to do it. Hmm. And now maybe they are laid off. Uh, maybe they have a severance package. Maybe they have some savings that they're living off of and they have nothing but time to invest into this thing that they have always wanted to do. It's that kind of person who will succeed in voiceover. It's not the kind of person who's like, oh, I lost my job. I really need to just make quick money. Let me see if I can just like get into this voiceover thing so that I can get make money. If this is not your passion, you're not going to make money doing it because you have to give your whole self to it in order to learn all the aspects of the business. So that's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, that three-year thing is uh, is particularly fascinating. I think I pretty much the same. I remember in November 2012, something happened. I was confused by it at the time, and I still don't really understand what happened. I just suddenly started booking like 50% more than I was before. And I don't know what it was that changed. Maybe I learned what it was that I could do well, and I was auditioning better, and I was more confident, or you know, I don't know, you cross some threshold and then all of a sudden you're like, I, you know, something's changed. But this is, as we've talked about in this podcast a million times before, this is an industry of industries. So learning how promo works, how animation, how video games, how commercials, how e-learn, like it takes a long time. They all operate 
in their own way. They have nuances and even the business side as well as the performance side. So you just, that's where that, what you were saying, Karen, that seven, eight hours a day, every day <laughs> pays off because you expose yourself and you put in those thousand auditions that will get you to the point where you've experienced a lot and you know, you've, you've learned what, what you do well and what you get good feedback on. And like, for me, it was, I learned the consistent feedback that I was getting, the negative feedback that I was getting to, to rechannel my focus and to get training and things like that. So moving things slightly along, um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, how we've been working with our agents in COVID times, because, I feel like that's changed a little bit and they've had to reshift gears a little bit. They're working from home too. They're now working and they're having to learn a bit of the technical side of things as well, particularly with things like Source Connect and understanding how we connect with our clients. So how has your relationship with your agents changed over the past month or so? My agents have been absolutely amazing throughout this whole thing. They've been learning. They've been calling me to ask questions because they know that I have a home set up and they know that I run a big voice actor group. I I did a, a free webinar on using Source Connect and doing phone patch sessions. My agent actually asked for it and watched the entire thing <laughs> so that he would know what to tell his clients about Source Connect and phone patch sessions and all of that. I, I'm just blown away by them. And, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's been great. There's been a lot of new information for them right? yeah, because absolutely. they haven't ever had to worry about this before. Yeah, no. I mean, actually my manager, everyone on the roster, um, of my management company, they all have home studios. It's kind of like a requirement if you're going to be managed by them that, that you have to basically be able to record from home because all of their auditions that they send are MP3 auditions. So they were in a great place with their roster um, when this all happened because all of their voice talent had home studios anyway. But for the agents that didn't have voice actors with home studios, I think they've had a huge learning curve. And I've heard some not great information coming from other people's agents too about what microphones to buy and how to like put up a bathrobe in your closet and it'll be fine. <laughs> just get Source Connect. Just get it. It'll be fine. Um, and that's not great information, but mine have been great. I would say mine have also been very good, very supportive. Something I have noticed with um, the Asian auditions is now that there's been kind of an influx of a lot more of them, the the quickness in which they need them has also gotten shorter. <laughs> and also because uh, not the agents, but the either the the buyers or whoever, they know we're home. And so auditions are now due on Saturday at three um, or Sunday at six, you know, which was <laughs> never the case, the case before. Um, so, so I've seen like the, the need for turnaround is even faster. Now I get an audition at three, it's due by 6 PM that day. So uh, that's a thing I've, I've noticed as a shift. Uh, I even had a job that I auditioned at five 30 in the, in the evening, five 30 PM. I booked it at eight and we recorded it at 10 15 PM. <laughs> that night. And, um, and I remember I finished the session and I emailed my agent to say, Hey, we finished at, you know, 11. And, and as I was typing the email, I was like, you know what? She worked tonight too, not just me. And so I, and I, in there, I was like, and thank you for working late tonight. You know, and I think it's, it's important to remember that, um, 
you know, they're, when, when they're sending you an email, they're working too. Mm-hmm. So they're working on a Saturday, they're working on a Sunday, you know, all of that. So, uh, I feel like I've been very well supported as well, but the, I would say that's the, the biggest thing I've noticed is like the influx is, is quicker. Do you think that it's quicker because, um, things have changed so quickly with the messaging for COVID-19? Cause that's what I found is like, Im- like immediately mid-March, it was like, everyone needed a COVID spot. There was that, that first weekend. So like, in like, I think Cuomo like announced like New York pause on like Friday, March 11th. Right. Or March 12th. Yeah. That sounds right. It was like that next week, everyone was like packing up their laptops and going home or whatever. And then going into that first weekend, I feel like that Thursday and Friday, I had like 80 commercial auditions, or at least right. that's what it felt like. And there were a bunch of them that were like, must be available on Saturday, must be available on Sunday. And then that following week was when we started getting the now more than ever. And in these uncertain times and like everyone's messaging started to come out. But, um, I feel like the, the expectation of like, you know, weekend sessions or evening sessions, I think that's leveled off a bit as we moved into May, but like, I've, I cannot, like Joey said, I cannot recall receiving information that an advertising creative wanted something back on a weekend. Like weekends always seemed to be pure either for them to clean out their inboxes and do what they wanted to do, but not to, not to direct a session that, that felt very, very different. That's interesting. I haven't had any of that. I've, I've had later sessions because of the LA market opening up, but I haven't had any weekend requests at all. I did two, I've done two weekend sessions since then. Yeah, I don't get weekend sessions, but I do get last minute stuff. I, I get like late in the day stuff. I mean, today was a perfect example. I think it was 3.40 and my agent called me. They were like, hey, can you do a session at four? I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if the baby takes her nap, sure. <laughs> I got to put her down real quick, but yeah, I can make four. <laughs> so yeah, it's the, 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 definitely the... Um, the, the the booking to session has, has that that ratio has slimmed quite a bit so it's like you available like in three hours yeah i'll be all right I'll just throw out the garbage i'll be right back like, let's go <laughs> let's do this man I'm, what am i gonna do <laughs> so yeah there's there's a ton of stuff i want to get to but i know time is running out and i know you guys have got evenings to get to um i want to talk about very quickly how we're going to reintroduce ourselves back into studios and how the industry is going to come back. So just this week, I noticed in one of the groups, someone was talking about one of the New York studios opening up, which is quite early. What are your thoughts on going back into studio sessions? Is it unthinkably early right now? What has to be in place for you to feel comfortable going in? Uh, uh, <laughs> let me get mine, mine off my chest because I have so many feelings about this. Yeah. Those of you who may have listened to my episode of the VO School podcast from the fall know the story, but I have an autoimmune condition. Uh, I have psoriatic arthritis and my immune system doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. And in addition to that, on the list of things that are bad, if you have them and also get COVID-19, I have four of them. So from my perspective, I'm not leaving my padded box until I have a vaccine in my arm. And then I have to go out to get the vaccine, which probably will scare me at that point. So um, I, I am experiencing some real, like, not only like fright or feeling like, would I, would I lose a job if I couldn't report to a studio if everybody else is back to normal? Like that is a real feeling that I have. But also just like this sense of like the pent up like energy and everybody wanting to get back to normal. But 
I don't know, like, it, like it's, it's a long time before normal is in view. You know, we're he, here in Erie County in Western New York, we are in phase one. So we're now at uh, construction and like outdoor landscaping and like manufacturing is allowed and retail is allowed like curbside. So you can finally get that purse at TJ Maxx that you've been eyeing and pull up and they'll throw it in your trunk for you. <laughs> like that's where we're at, right? So to think of a studio in New York where you guys are not even on phase one yet of reopening, a studio saying that they're going to open up for business. First of all, I question the legality of it. Second, just like how, how, like we, we, we like exhale and spit for a living. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am, uh, I am frightened. I am not pleased about the, the movement and uh, just on a personal level, like I am wildly concerned. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, in my circumstance, I don't have, any um, preconditions that would suggest I'm more vulnerable, you know, in my position, I'm very nervous about going in. So in your circumstance, I completely understand that. Um, what about you guys? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, dude, I got three, I got three little girls at home, man. Like, sorry. Like, I, 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 like for me, it's like, let whatever's going to happen to me happen to me, but I am not putting my girls at risk. Like you gotta be, you got out of your mind. Like that just won't happen. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm I actually had, you know, uh, a producer kind of reach out to me about a project and they told me, they're like, yeah, we're looking to record, uh, at a, at a spot in, out in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, we're looking to get actors to come in. And I was like, Ugh. it took me a bit to answer the email because, you know, I had the business mind, the hustler mind in my head going like, dude, you're leaving money on the table. But then the, you know, the, the bigger part of my brain is like, you gotta be crazy, dude. Really? June? Like, no, that's that. Sorry. That that's, that's a, that's a deal breaker for me. So I'm, I told him, I'm like, listen, if you're open to source connect, which you already said that you have, I'm down for it. It's all good, but I got kids and just, I, I'm, I don't feel comfortable with it, but I can absolutely recommend people. And I even did, I went that far, you know, I recommend other voice talent for you. You can ask them if they're, if they're willing to do it. But me personally, I, I just don't feel comfortable going that route. If you, if you're cool with it and you want to do it that way, then, you know, rock and roll. But I'll gladly mention other people that are great actors as well and leave it to them to see if they'll be willing to do that. My question is just because you're open for business, uh, who's going to come? Like, uh, their clients aren't going to be in studio with the talent like they used to be for a while. Um, you know, I've, I've some friends that are not in the voiceover industry. They're in like the, the tech and marketing and stuff and their companies have already told them they're working from home the rest of the year. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't, I don't really see just because they're open doesn't mean that people are going to come. <laughs> yeah, and I think if, if we've proved proven anything in the last two months, it's that we don't necessarily need to be there. So I think if you're in, I think you're in a different situation, if you are a voiceover talent who does not have a home studio set up and going to a studio was your only option and still is your only option. Uh, but for talent who do have a home studio, like we've already, we've already been, you know, proven that, uh, we can do pretty much everything that you wanted in studio at home. So I think, I think it'll be a hard sell for a while. Yeah. And, and I think, um, with studios, they can function as a bridge. So yeah. if you have a home studio and the client is on the phone, they can organize that session in a way that no one has to come into the studio by the engineer. And that's fine. I've done sessions like that. I did a session last week like that in the studio in Philly. And that's and okay. And the engineer still, the engineer will still mix and master and do everything that they always did. We're not putting engineers out of work. 
yeah. um, by, by recording at home. You're just recording raw audio at home for anyone watching who's worried about that. Um, and the studios are now not limited by the, the physical space they have in their offices. They can have as many sessions running as there are home studios in the world if they need that many sessions, right? And the engineers that work at their studio will still mix and master and put everything together the way that it always has been done. My feelings about it are there are two things. One, there was this symposium, online symposium with um, doctors and, and healthcare professionals and choir directors and other singing professionals from all over the world. And they basically said that singers are super spreaders and that taking like an, a large inhale and then exhaling by speaking or singing for long periods of time actually spreads the virus more because you're propelling it into the air more than you would just speaking normally. To me, voiceover is very similar, especially mm. things like like animation and video games where you are speaking loudly. Um, so that means that any voice actor in a booth is going to be spreading who knows what in that booth for who knows how long. There really is no way to disinfect a microphone because you can't get it wet. Um, I guess you could use like UV light, but you can't really get into it with UV. You could open up the whole thing and put it under UV light or something. There's no great way to do it. So there, whoever comes into that booth after you you know, you don't know who's been in the booth before you. I mean, it's just not really safe unless there's a vaccine. Second, exactly what Joey said, there is nothing that you need that I can't do from my home studio. And some some studios that I've been to are not as nice as my home studio. So the only thing I can't do is be there in front of you and you see how tall I am and you shake my hand. <laughs> That's the only thing. And we I can't need to shake your hand anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it. Gotta so, do the demolition, man. Yeah, I'm not an I'm not really an engineer. I need engineers. We all need engineers, people who have studied that part of the craft. Studios can still operate remotely. And and the engineer could maybe go into the studio while the voiceover uh, while the voice actor is recording remotely. Yeah. And that's how I think it's gonna be until there's really a vaccine and everything is back to normal. And yeah. New York is pretty much the last place in <laughs> other than London, the world for in-person castings. Yeah. I mean, obviously on camera has in-person in LA too, but for voice actors in person in like New York is kind of a legacy place for that. I think that's, that's even worse than going into a studio. You've got a constant mm -hmm. turnover of people coming in and out. They are definitely not going to have time to clean the studio between each audition. So I can't see in person coming back anytime soon. Mm -mm. And also if I was the casting director, I wouldn't want like 30 oh people, 50 people coming in and out of a room, you know, that I'm in as well. Yeah, so really. I, if I were them, I would I'd think, huh, maybe this remote thing is going to work out. Yeah. And <laughs> I hope because, you know, if, again, if you've got a good home studio, and especially if you're delivering the from, gig from a home studio, you know, it's a good test anyway. But with Zoom and with phone and with Source Connect and stuff yeah. like that, I do hope that the casting directors, because we, like we said at the beginning, we do love casting directors. They do an amazing job and uh, it's a real skill to do that job. Hopefully they, they move forward with the times and can direct us live or just accept MP3s and we do it that way. The virtual booths that some of the casting directors have set up in the last couple of months, has it's been so great. You know, we, we've all gotten really good at self-direction and doing your own MP3s from home when you don't have the option. But to have someone in your ear knowing what the client wants, having that extra bit of information, it's been so helpful. And they can churn through so many appointments so quickly. God, I hope that I hope that sticks around because it's been awesome. Me too. Me too. And I also yeah. have, like feel so much more confident submitting. 
Right. When I can say like, these are the two takes that this casting director wanted. Boom. You know, and (laughs) so totally. Yeah. And it's big, too, because like for me going into the city and coming back, that's that's thirty dollars. Yeah, that's a thirty dollar trip. Like it it better be worth it. You know what I'm saying? So like this has been amazing for me Um, just because that's thirty dollars as a possible audition that I'm saving. Like, it's crazy. Well, thank you, guys. Thank Thank you you for joining us. Jamie. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Um, So we have eight people in our panelist pool. Uh, Mara Jordan and Alyssa couldn't join us tonight, but we're going to try and have four, five, maybe six people each time we do this. And I'm going to be releasing these quite soon after we record them so that it's current. And um, we're going to cover a different subject. Maybe we'll have guests and we can have specialist guests come in and we can grill them. We'll just see how it goes from there. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.